and welcome to the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White. And with me, I can't, I can't, I can't do it, can I? I can't say the same thing again. Like, Are you not going to rap? I can't. Yeah, I don't think I can rap again. I, I, well, it's been so long since we've done one. You <laughs> got away with it. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's the familiar voice of Martin Theobald. Yo. And we are with you after a rather extended break. I went went on holiday. You've been living life, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And uh, you've been away doing a few exciting things. Right? I did. I went to go and watch some uh, boxing in Latvia. We'll have, to, we'll have to speak about that. <laughs> um, yeah, and no, I was away uh, for a trip to Latvia last weekend, and uh, went and did some uh, watched a bit of boxing whilst I was out there. Did a bit of clothes shopping. A bit of clothes shopping. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, yeah, inadvertent clothes shopping where I borrowed a man's coat from a pub. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit, yeah, uh, yeah, that's bad. Not his coat. Not my coat. someone else's Picked coat. up someone else's and uh, bowled out with it. And then <laughs> turns out they were part of our party. <laughs> Excuse me, mate, is that your coat? The most loaded question ever. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did some bobslaying whilst I was out there. Oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, like not in a real bobsleigh, but on a real bobsleigh track, like in in something that's like a soft version. It's called. So it's mm. got like foam walls to it and like drainpipe guttering and sort of blades on the bottom. And oh, okay. they just because it's Latvia, they don't give a shit about health and safety. They just put five people that have never been in one before and go right off you go, yeah. <laughs> push you down a bobsleigh track. Jesus, it's insane. It was uh, it was great fun. Um, What's a bit of gun shooting? Oh, shooting okay. some guns indoors. And, uh... <laughs> what in a cafe or something? Oh, pretty much. Bang, bang. This is like a council estate. Like you walked in and I like, went up into this building and uh, yeah, like they don't give you any health and safety notice. It's actually uh, I was out there with the Goodwin Promotions team and uh, it's Josh, who's uh, one of the promoters there, who's fighting soon. Um, Walked in, they're like, the guy doesn't even give you a health and safety talk, just handed him a gun and like told him where to point it. And there's no glass wall or anything for you to stand behind. Like, you're, <laughs> you're stood like where I am to you, which is about a foot away. You're stood that close whilst the geezer's firing off, started with a handgun, like cartridges flying out the side. All right, fair enough. Like, that's that's fairly dangerous. Uh, and then they move him back 10 yards, give him a shotgun. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so you got cartridges from that flight. It's fucking insane. So uh, I had to laugh when uh, they then offered up doing. We did this soft um, bobsleigh thing. And then they give you the option of going and doing the. Do it in a legit bobsleigh and they'll put somebody with a gun. <laughs> drive by. <laughs> like Grand Theft Auto. No, uh, they, they then give you the option of uh, doing like a legit bobsleigh and they'll put a driver in with you. Um, but as Kevin, who was out there with. Um, said he said they're making people sign forms to do that. Like, I've just been in a room where someone's fired a gun a foot away from and me, I and I didn't anything. even get health and safety talk. <laughs> you got to sign. So, hey, you got to sign a form for that. I'm definitely not doing that. In the event of, in the event of definite death, <laughs> no, it basically like the form was if I die, this company ain't liable for it. Jesus. Um. So yeah, like, as, as my wife pointed out whilst we were there, she's like, if you go to the fucking trampoline park in Milton Keynes. Um, you have to go and watch a five-minute health and safety video before you're allowed to bounce on a trampoline in Latvia. Um, yeah, like they just let you fire guns and jump in bobsleighs. <laughs> it's mental, but that was great fun, and they uh, got to see a bit of a uh, bit of boxing whilst I was out there and uh, hang out with a few people. It's good. Okay, GTA bobsledding in Latvia. Tick. As you do. <laughs> Uh, let's move on straight into the boxing then. Well, not straight, as we've just had our little chat. But um, I suppose the best place to start would be last night's action. Last night, yeah. Um, Frampton Quig. Uh, going into the fight, Frampton was the marginal favourite. Yeah. Um, you backed Quig, didn't you? I did. Uh, and I, I must say, I only caught it from round seven, where um, it seems that uh, the... the, the Frampton at that point really laid the groundwork for his victory. You watched, like, the fact you picked it up around seven means you've watched the most misleading fight <laughs> of yeah. all time. Admittedly as well, I'd also been drinking heavily and I was in a packed room. So I was, <laughs> I was watching through a forest of people, forest of heads, and be extremely inebriated and then trying to make a judgment call on half a fight. So Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, no, the first half of the fight, like, it was 
boring through rounds up to like round four, five. Um, and who'd won the majority of the rounds? At Frampton point? won every round. I, I had it up until maybe six, probably seven as well. Um, Quick just didn't do anything. Just it was like he he was pure rabbit in the headlights, like as if the big occasion. I don't forget he's never really topped a card before. Like Frampton's topped cards lots of times, but every time Quig's been defending his world title in inverted commas, his WBA regular title, there's always been something else at the top of the card, so like Anthony Crawler or, or so, so he's not actually had these big headline. He's not been a pay per view act or anything like that, and it kind of showed. He uh, and Joe Gallagher in the corner was crap for him. So like all the way through. <laughs> Um, not that you could see all of the corner work because it's Sky, so they cut to adverts on a fucking yeah. pay per view. So I, yeah, like I streamed it, so I don't care. But um, <laughs> from what you can see of Gallagher in the corner, he's telling Quick, "You're doing well. You're doing all right here. Like keep it going." Like, are you taking the yeah. piss or something? Like your man's just getting sweaty. He wasn't throwing anything. He has this really high guard. So whenever he walks into range, Scott Quick, his arms just immediately as if there's like a, i don't know some kind of uh field that means whenever he's within a, a yard of frampton whenever he closes that space his arms just came up in front of his face into a very high guard and just forgot to throw anything um and that was it for like six rounds I, and you think it was the occasion that made him just freeze it seemed like i mean he's broken his jaw was one of the things so i don't know what round that happened in although i get the impression it was early on but that doesn't excuse the fact that even if that was say round three, like he didn't do anything up to that. Is point. that in any way reflective of any of the other fights you've ever seen him in? No, no, he's always been a bit of an action. You know, like he gets in, he works, and by like round seven, eight, not like seven through to twelve were reasonable but not great rounds. But I think it was round nine or ten where Quick then started to really work the body and like just exchange body yeah, shots for like the entire yeah. round. And so, like, Frampton had got so many rounds in the bag by that point. I think what summed it up best for me was when you come out for round 12 and Quig was told he needs a knockout to, like, get the win. And so he goes out, all guns blazing, and Frampton, like, just picked him off all through the round. So, <laughs> I say all guns blazing, he still he didn't have any effect. Like, Frampton was able mm. to just read what he was doing and just pick his shots and come out of range and out of trouble. And... I don't know, Quig, you can make a case for winning three or four rounds tops, in my view. Um, um, just a, a slight digression. Um, as those of you that will uh, be reading the website, you'll have noticed that Martin's uh, doing training for white-collar boxing. We had a brief conversation about it the other day. He's been training with some uh, pros down in London. Yeah. And uh, you spoke to me and said um, that, you, you know, when you was in the ring with them, they just, they, they know where you're going to throw a punch. That if you don't, if they didn't want you to hit them, you wouldn't hit yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, boxing's all about levels. And so um, down this gym, uh, KO gym, uh, down in Loughton, Essex. And uh, yes, yeah, so I've been sparring with uh, Brad Pauls, who's 1-0, Kay Prosper, who's very, very good. Good fight. I think he's about six and zero now. Um, Josh Goodwin, who's fighting soon. Luke Robinson, who's making his debut March fifth. Uh, various fighters. Uh, Linus Udofia, another one. Now, my level is at having one like white collar belt and doing a bit of training. These lads have like boxed amateur through their their youth or like their younger years, and then have had a number of pro fights by this point. And uh, yeah, like if I <laughs> if I go to throw a jab or whatever, they can fucking read it a mile off, and so like they're out of range. It's no overestimation to say that if they don't want me to hit them for a three minute round, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I'm just a walking punch bag to them, so like, they can tee off on shot. They're not hitting me as hard as they possibly can, but you know they're just allowing it to be competitive. So like they're trying out different things as they're as they're sparring, but. If they wanted to, like they could just avoid be being a ghost hit. for the round. Yeah. So, like when we we spoke briefly about this the other night, um, before the fight, before we um, we parted ways, um, and uh, what that was fresh in my mind, you see, when I was watching that fight, and um, certainly felt like, certainly towards the end, 
that Frampton just wasn't letting him hit him. That's what it felt like. And so then Quig was going for the body, just because it, you can't. I suppose you can't move your body out of the way. Can you block it? Whatever. But I mean, I I said to you, I I, I thought I thought I wasn't sure if Quig had even taken it, sort of thing. Admittedly, as I've qualified already, that wasn't the best judgment call given what I what I was looking through. But um, I just <laughs> to kind of contradict the idea that you know I thought Quig might have taken it. I also felt like Frampton looked sharper and he was dodging out of the way of stuff. And it was just, it just came apart. It wouldn't not necessarily have clicked in my mind. It was only after we spoke about it. And I thought, I just, I, thought, I wonder if I'm missing something. I wonder if, like, they're just, it's different. It's a style clash or it genuinely is Frampton just being able to read everything that he's throwing. I think Frampton was able to, because Quig became desperate by the end, he was able to, you know, read, because at that point, Quig's looking for the knockout. So his shots are going to be more. Desperate? Yeah, I'm trying to find the right word, but Telegram? yeah, tele- he's going to be like making bigger body movements because oh, he's see. trying to really um, throw his weight behind yeah. shots. He's going to be yeah, pushing his shoulder, f- and so that gives there's a give. Like when, you know, as I was saying, like the pros can read when I'm going to do. There's a give in my movements, so and my shoulder might go first or whatever. Or I might take yeah. a little step if. There were all those gives that Frampton was able to... And it's all the to... harder when it's bantamweight as well, I suppose, because they've got to put literally everything they've got into a punch, yeah, haven't they? Yeah, um, But I, the, one thing that just had me in stitches was the Sky commentary, which is shit. Um, <laughs> Again. Nick Hall and Jim <laughs> In the 11th round, this was something that just amused me no end. Like, yes, Quig probably had the better of it um, through the 11th. And he hits, uh, he hits Frampton with... Uh, a big shot, and it's towards the end of the round, and Frampton kind of hangs on to Quig. He's not in massive amounts of danger, but he kind of he holds Quig and, and stops proceedings a bit whilst the ref comes in. There's maybe 10, 20 seconds left, and you get Jim Watt, and it's stuck out in my memory from watching it. Jim Watt going, that's a dis-, his words were, that's a distress flare from Frampton looking over at his corner there. Like, he's in big trouble now going into this last round. The last round, where he just took quick to school for like the entire <laughs> three minutes and you get jim watt like preceding it by saying oh that's a distress flare he's really in trouble what was the sky card looking like at this point or did, did you see did you they didn't see actually score because we were looking for one no they didn't have one up um oh. they normally do didn't they like jim yeah. watt's scorecard halfway through the match or three quarters i think he was so smashed based upon his commentary that he couldn't fill <laughs> one in um, although no more smashing James Nesbitt. I don't know if uh, in whatever no, pub you... Oh, man, James Nesbitt was there getting interviewed before, really? and he was fucking mad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think Good it lad. was uh, AP McCoy, Tony McCoy, I don't know, the little jockey fellow who's about three foot, um, stood next to him. <laughs> and like Nesbitt's there in his island shirt, just off his nut. <laughs> <laughs> doing a live interview ringside with him. <laughs> Fair play. Was he wearing like a Northern Ireland football shirt or an Irish? I don't know. Something? I don't know if it's Northern or Ireland. I don't know. Uh, I don't oh. want to get bombed by either side. But, um, yeah, it was. Uh, he was highly amusing for uh, for watching. But no, I mean the long and short of it was to me like Frampton did enough. Like even if he didn't win another round after the sixth, he did enough at that point to win the fight. Um, well, to draw the fight. He won all six at the beginning, and he definitely won at least one after the sixth. Um, I had it by three or four, fairly comfortably. Um, well, it was... Uh, I uh, Yeah, I didn't find the most exciting fight, I must admit. So, uh, and you it, missed the worst of it. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't see the first six rounds. Yeah. Do you think... Just I won't dwell on it too long, but do you think perhaps Frampton got in Quig's head? Or was it the occasion? Like, what would you have? I don't know. Frampton came out afterwards and said, you know, he apologised to the fans and said, I knew it was going to be a boring fight, but I couldn't really say that because we had to sell the fight beforehand. (laughs) Um, And yeah, fair enough for that. But um, I I don't know. Did he get in his head? There was so much like antics beforehand between the teams. So like they had an argument over who was going to have the home dressing room or whatever. And, all this like petty bullshit that seemed to be swept aside afterwards, and you know they're all best of friends. So I don't know. I just personally, quick bottled it a little bit for me. Okay, so what now then? For where does Frampton go? Where does Quig go? I mean, I suppose the, the biggest question would be would be Quig. Uh, you know, I guess Quig. Um, I th- 
Last night in America, there was Leo Santa Cruz beat a guy, Kiko Martinez, that both Quig and Frampton have beaten in the past. Um, Quig will be, a, I'm sure Eddie Hearn will be able to move him back into a title match somewhere. Like once his jaws put back together, um, he'll have a few months out, but he'll probably have a, an eliminator and then get himself a title match somewhere. Um, but yeah, so there was Leo Santa Cruz, Kiko Martinez last night, which was at featherweight. So one above the super bantam weight limit these two were fighting at. Leo Santa Cruz has for a long time been calling out like Quig and Frampton. Um, Frampton has been rumoured to struggle to make super bantam weight, so he may fancy a move up to featherweight um, to take on Leo Santa Cruz, potentially. Or there's uh, Guillermo Rigondel who is like the super bantamweight number one that Sky completely ignore because <laughs> he'd dick both their fighters <laughs> uh, or their fire because Frampton doesn't really fight on Sky. But uh, Rigondeau has come out of the blue somewhat. He's fighting um, James Jazza Dickens, who people aren't going to be that familiar with. Uh, but he's like a cousin of Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, I think it is his cousin <laughs> of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fame. Um on the undercard of Derry Matthews, Terry Flanagan, um, <laughs> yeah, you get Guillermo Rigondeau, who's like potentially the one of the pound for pound number one best fighters in the world, is <laughs> coming over to beat up Jazza Dickens. Um, but because he can't get a fight, like he wants Frampton. It, last night he was relentlessly tweeting about wanting uh, Frampton or Quig, and like once Frampton won it, then he's calling out Frampton. But nobody will fight him. And so, like, the WBA super title was on the line last night that was stripped from Rigondale for inactivity. Uh, we spoke about it a while back. But he can't get the fights with the biggest names because they won't fight him because he doesn't bring much money to the table for a fight and they're probably going to lose. Um, so I think I saw some odds. Exactly, yeah. Like, the risk-reward balance mm. is minimal for him. So... I saw uh, earlier on there were odds put out on Twitter of um, like the bookies price these things up like well in advance. So now that Frampton's won it, they'd price up a Frampton Rigondeau match. I think Rigondeau opens up at one to four against or on. I don't know how it works, but like one to four um, that he'd win, whereas Frampton's three to one. Uh, so so the odds are one to four. Yeah. So if you put. If you put one pound, if you put four pound on, you get one pound back. Yeah, yeah. You, you get twenty five p for every pound you put on. Whereas wow. Frampton's three to one uh, that yeah. he'd win. It. So that kind of shows you quite how high Rigondeau would be favoured against Frampton or Quig. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean for Frampton, they all talk about fighting Rigondeau and then nobody ever does it. So he's not fighting him. Uh, would be my guess. If I, I think Frampton will probably end up moving up to featherweight to fight Santa Cruz. Would probably be the biggest money fight for him. So I, I, I must admit, I don't find that level of, not level, that weight of boxing particularly interesting. Um, you know, I, I res, reserve the right to change my mind given the right fight, but um, it's always, like you said, Quig came out swinging for for a knockout. Um, it just like. It didn't. I, I could see that he'd come out, even though I couldn't hear the commentary. I didn't know what was going on. I could hear that that was the case. If you compare that with the Fury Klitschko, you knew the Klitschko had come out for a knockout towards the end, looking for it, and you could just the tension you could feel because you knew any moment, bang, it could. Now, yeah. admittedly, that can happen with bantamweight, but the risks are so much lower. There's not that one punch knockout yeah. risk. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess I'm just saying what most people think, and that's why heavyweight boxing is so prestigious. But it's just, um, it's, yeah, it's just, that's definitely it definitely sways how I feel about boxing. Yeah. Okay then. So moving on, um, let's kind of cover the bases of what we have missed whilst doing our Life. snowboarding and dangerous Latvian gun shooting <laughs> bobsledding <laughs> with drain pipes. <laughs> um, Quite the amalgamation. It's just, <laughs> That's just you all over, mate. Risk-taking rule-breaker. That's it. You can't hold me back, mate. I strip drain pipes, knit coats, and take them both down a bobsled course. And if anyone tries to touch me, i got guns. <laughs> Don't worry. I sign papers. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's... The I suppose... Well, I don't know. I was going to say the most exciting news, but uh, and then refer to the Joshua Martin fight that was announced. But actually, 
you could say, oh my God, Khan's actually going to fight somebody. And see, that's the most exciting. What would you rather talk about, Khan Alvarez or Joshua Martin? Let's go Khan Alvarez first. Okay, um, so Khan has decided to finally come out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> he's finished his sabbatical. and <laughs> He's, uh, he's going to take on Canelo Alvarez. Yeah. Um, so this came out of left field, like completely out of left field, whilst we were away. So Khan, who only what a year and a half back was fighting at light welterweight, so hundred and forty pounds. Um and I mean even then he was fighting at lightweight before that. <laughs> so he's going now from hundred and forty pounds. He's had two or three now at uh, welterweights, hundred and forty seven pounds. He's now gonna fight the middleweight champion of the world, uh, like ignoring Golovkin for this conversation. Uh he's fighting the middleweight champion Sal Canelo Alvarez. Uh, on May the 5th out in Vegas. <laughs> he's skipping the light middleweight division. <laughs> and he's just going straight to middleweight. <laughs> Jesus. So, like, yes, it's not a full-blown middleweight. So, there's often confusion. So, light middleweight is referred to as being £154. Um, welterweight is 147 So, what that means is that the upper limit of welterweight is £147. So, light middleweight is 148 to £154. Right, so middleweight is up to 160 pounds, but it's actually from the pound above light middle, which is 154. So it goes up. Middleweight runs from 155 to 160 pounds. Right, that's what the middleweight limit is. So this fight's taking place at 155 pounds. So it's still right at the beginning of the middleweight division because Canelo's never fought 160 pound he's taken the tight off of Miguel Cotto who's never a full middleweight either so it's as much as it's a catchweight it still falls into the middleweight territory and therefore can be defended as the the WBC middleweight title oddly enough against a man who's used to fighting 147 pounds it's a lot if you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, so he's taken the leap in a couple of years of going from 140 to 155 pounds. Probably faster than you would necessarily expect that to happen naturally as well. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, as much as he may, you know, he'll walk around at bigger than his 147 pound welterweight limit that he fights at, at the moment. He probably only walks around at 155, 160 pounds anyway and then cuts that weight down for when he's in training camp and fighting. And so for this fight, he's going to have the opportunity to either come in very light and like try and use his speed like Mayweather did against Alvarez and utilise his speed over Alvarez's kind of size and power. Or you're going to see Khan like bulking up and coming out <laughs> proper hench. Um, I don't know which way around it'll be, although there have been photos in the gym of him looking like very muscular. But, you know, there's still best part of three months, is it, or something, um, two months to go. So uh, I don't know which way he'll he'll go with it. He's um Khan's the um underdog here, isn't he? Massively so. Um, Massively so. So <laughs> is is it worth me even asking how you see it going? <laughs> uh you can't you can't say is it, anyone who's sane will say that Alvarez are going to win it. Just because he's so much bigger like <laughs> he's got explosive punch power, he's very skilled. His footwork's a little bit ploddy, so like Khan could cause him issues getting in and out. But Khan doesn't have like one punch explosive power. He's going up two weight divisions, so mm. he's not going to have any. You know, like, where's the where, where's the logic behind this, if there is any? Is it purely to get a big payday fight? Yeah, um, I think there's two. There's maybe three bits to it, right? Big payday fight. It's going to be a huge payday fight because Alvarez is massive out in America. Khan's a fairly big name out there, so it's going to be big. There's ambition. Like the one thing you can't fault Amir Khan for yeah, is having a fucking pair of nads on him, <laughs> and like he, he wants the big fights. He's always been calling for Pacquiao Mayweather. Pacquiao Mayweather ain't there for him at the moment or anymore, <laughs> and so he takes the third biggest name in the sport, which is Alvarez, at a weight that's two weight limits above what yeah. he's comfortable at. You can't fault that. Like he might be mad for doing so. Yeah, it feels like it feels like ambition, but then also if you buy ten thousand lottery tickets, that shows a certain level of ambition, <laughs> but also an incredible amount of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, no, it's, it is mad. It's a mad thing, and I think the third bit to it is to spite Kell Brook. Um, <laughs> I do, <laughs> because at the time Eddie Hearn was like out there 
how can we put this? It? Like fishing. Like he kept talking about Khan Brook in the summer Wembley Stadium. Could happen. Could happen. Khan's kind of blown it out of the water. Khan's like pissed on everything that Eddie Hearn said. And so you end up with Kel Brooks fighting Kevin Bizier in Sheffield as his IBF mandatory title. I've no idea who Kevin Bizier is. <laughs> Whilst Amir Khan's fighting that in Vegas yeah. <laughs> against like, one of the biggest names in the sport. And so this one of the things with Kel Brook, he won't drop that IBF title because ultimately he loses his relevance because he hasn't got any big names on his resume that he's either for or beat. Apart from Sean Porter, who he won the title off of, but he's not a huge name, Sean Porter. Amir Khan's kind of, whether he's um, manufactured it himself or not, is arguable, but he's got that reputation in the sport. He is a big name in the sport, so he doesn't need a title to be going around with to try and get himself these fights. Um, So he's managed to bag the Alvarez fight without a title, without fighting in that weight division, any of that, and like it just... It makes a mockery of Eddie Hearn keeping Kel Brook with that title and fighting Kevin Bizier up in Sheffield. And so like when you now compare and contrast the two of them, yes, Khan could get absolutely splattered all over yeah. that ring. Even if he does, like that Kel Brook fight's still there for him back in England. Like there's no shame in going out there and getting his head absolutely pounded in by Alvarez because there's still the opportunity. Yeah, I guess if so. he turned around to Hearn and said, Okay, like I lost we'll take the Wembley fight next year or like in September or so, you know, the last opportunity before it's going to be too bad weather. So like August or something, you know, depending how bad his injuries are coming back from Vegas <laughs> may have to be next year. But do you know what I mean? That fight is always going to be there for him. Um, so, because um, I was going to ask you, is it short-sightedness from Khan to then go for the Alvarez, like you said, if he gets pasted all over the ring? Um, if he does, then, then he's only got Brooke to go I mean what how what I, I realise that this is purely on the speculate speculating on the fact that he's gonna lose. Yeah. But let's go with the bookies, which and we'll say that, that, that he has lost. So he loses to Alvarez and then he beats Kel Brook, let's say. Now uh, should a boxer be thinking too far down the line anyway? Is that a common thing? Because then where does he go? I think a lot of fighters do think down the line. So that's why you see fighters taking safe fights. Khan's like, he's a throwback to that extent that he's not thinking down the line. He's just taking that next fight. If he loses to Alvarez, there's no shame in that whatsoever. He's still a big name. If he puts up like a valiant effort in defeat, then even better. Um, so, so maybe he could get, what, do you think he would have a repeat fight if he puts on a good who, enough? Who knows, I suppose. But uh, Once he gets no, it's hospital. probably the answer. <laughs> um <laughs> But he can then drop down to light middleweight and go for titles there. He can drop back down to welterweight and go for titles. He can kind of... This is almost like a free fight for him. That like It doesn't matter how he does. He's not, not going to affect his reputation to the point. Yeah, how can it? Like If you get beaten by the world champion two weight levels above, right, who's going to criticise that? Yeah. Like, you can't criticise it. Yeah, you, just got got, you expected me to get beat. Yeah, You've you got to praise it and applaud him for doing it, like, irrespective of what the outcome is. If he does win it, his next fight, like the signed off paperwork, so the winner of this, when you're asking if he loses, would there be a rematch? No, uh, probably not, because the winner of this is then signed off to fight Golovkin. <laughs> so you could end up with Khan <laughs> Golovkin, which would be amazing. Yeah, that would be interesting. Just amazing. Um, uh, yeah, and then you'd definitely be having to think that he would get battle over the ring. But... Yeah, yeah, horribly so. Um Right, so let's talk Joshua Martin then. Um, so, um, in short, somebody sneaked into Tyson Fury's bedroom, stole his IBF title, <laughs> gave it to some guy in America, or gave it to two bums to fight over in America. Then one of those bums said, hey, I'm going to wipe the smirk off your face to Anthony Joshua, who's knocked out everyone. So, uh, so yeah, that's where we are now. And then, uh, so Charles Martin to fight... Annie Joshua, what do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's a mental one, really. Um, so it's the IBF world title, as you say, that's taken from Fury. Neither of them deserve it. 
let's be brutally honest, <laughs> like neither of them deserve to be in a world title fight. So Charles Martin has beaten nobody of any significance, any consequence. He won the title because Glashkov blew his knee out. Um, Ugh, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. So he's beaten nobody and he knocks out lots of people. Like Anthony Joshua has beaten, I'm going to say nobody, but that's harsher Dillian White. Like he yeah. beat Dillian White. But even then, Dillian White's not beaten anybody. So you can't judge how good Dillian White is today. And so you've got two people that have beat nobody of significance <laughs> fighting for a world title. It's, it's madness. And so Charles Martin, God alone knows what he's getting paid for this. His first world title defence, he's coming over to the O2 to fight Anthony Joshua in his backyard. Like He's going to get some serious, <laughs> serious pay out of that. Yeah. That is uh, that is kind of like winning the lottery, like yeah, to some extent, isn't it? Yeah, like, didn't have to, didn't even have to buy ten thousand lottery tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you don't know how good either of them are, <clears throat> and so you know, just saying about Dillian White and Anthony Joshua beat him. If Anthony Joshua beats and uh, Charles Martin, we don't know how good he is because he does it. Um, he could be a world title holder that's beaten nobody, just as Charles Martin is now. So, I, here's here's a question for you: Is this potentially the worst thing that can happen for Anthony Joshua's progress? The reason I say that is that let's say he beats Charles Martin, which am I right in thinking that's kind of what we expect? I I realise you have to you have to put a caveat on it. Gonna say, we don't know how good he is. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're probably going to say yes, but just because Charles Martin looks like a bigger bum than Anthony Joshua perhaps could be yeah they both could be like the two greatest heavyweights that have ever lived we don't know (laughs) but let's let's say yes right so then so then Anthony Joshua was the IBF champion and then suddenly everyone goes hunting for him this early on in his career so he could come up against some let's say Tyson Fury somehow manages to wangle the fight Anthony Joshua's not ready for Tyson Fury yet Am I am I right? In th- yeah, that's the kind of how I'm seeing it. So, and he's not ready for someone like Klitschko either. So he kind of puts himself in the shop window prematurely and potentially, potentially stifles his career. Whereas if it had taken a more organic route, someone hadn't nicked Tyson Fury's belt and given it to some lunatic in America, he perhaps, even though it would have been later on in his career, he might have got a title shot. It, it, I realise this is all based on the theory that. On the basis that we don't know how good Joshua is, because frankly, if he is brilliant, then it doesn't matter. But yeah, could it stifle his progress? It's mm, mm, a good question. No, I suppose is the answer because Eddie Hearn's a very clever and astute man, and he's promoting Joshua and managing his career. If he didn't take this title opportunity, like you, let's start it off by just caveat in this you're never going to get a better world title opportunity (laughs) you're never ever going to get a better world title opportunity than this like as a heavyweight (laughs) this is fucking (laughs) this is teed up on a plate for you man just go out there and and do your thing um see similar to the calm thing i suppose you can't turn it down (laughs) yeah you have to take it but say he did turn it down say you know, we're going to go down the learning route, and he could take on a Carlos Takam, um, somebody of that level, which is like upper echelons of the gatekeeper before you get to the world title fights. A Robert Hellenius, who's like ditched the European title to go on and, and challenge for world, is his intention. A Derek Chisora, who's going to fight for the European, he could take one of those fights instead. If he wins this fight against Charles Martin, I'll fucking put money on it now. He's going to fight one of those three anyway in his defence. Oh, really? So you might as well do it with a belt around your waist. Like, you know, hopefully he gets that belt and then it's an opportunity to do it. But whether he <laughs> has that belt or not, he's probably going to end up with the same opponents. So. Another title shot for Derek Chisora, you mean? <laughs> I bet you he ends up somehow. How the fuck is this guy like a fucking. Boxing zombie who comes back from the dead. I know, I know. So, yeah, don't rule out that, you know, if Joshua wins it, he will take on someone like Takam, Hellenius, Chisora, someone like that. The same people he would take on if he didn't have the belt. Yeah. as like a learning fight. Um, look at what Deontay Wilder's done with the WBC title. He won it in January last year. He's had two or three fights. Um, Molina, Duhapas, uh, whoever he fought last... 
um, Polish guy, whatever his name was, can't remember. I can't remember because he's shit. <laughs> As are the other two names I've just put on there. Right, I suppose, so, yeah, what I was getting at was like, if he, if Andy Rush puts himself in the shop window, people go hunting for him. Well, ultimately, he can choose who fights anyway, right? And if you've got a belt, then you can kind of take your pick. Andy if you're Joshua, a name and you have a belt. Andy Joshua is the biggest money-making machine in British boxing. Without a doubt, he is the biggest commodity in British boxing right now. Imagine that with a world title round. Yeah, it's like you can just print money off the back of his name. Um, you know his pay per view sales with Dillian White, something like two hundred and fifty thousand pay per view. Like it was the same number ish, give or take a small percentage, as watch Tyson Fury Klitschko. Wow. And like, yes, you can make the argument of like undercards or whatever, but. One is for the world title, like the undisputed world title, and one is for the British title yeah. against someone who's not achieved anything in Dillian White. Like Anthony Joshua is that big a commodity in the sport. Yeah. If if he wins that title, Sky will forget that there's any other world titles <laughs> until it's time for him to fight for one. They will ignore the WBO, the WBC. They they won't care about them. The WBA title will not be mentioned whatsoever. It will be Anthony Joshua, world heavyweight champion. Despite the fact Fury had that belt taken from him and holds the others, yeah. it won't matter. Sky will just have the world heavyweight champion if you ever watch anything. So they will just be able to print money off of Anthony Joshua's name. Um, which leads me, to some extent, um, quite nicely into talking about Tyson Fury. Then the last thing I heard was he was still weighing up whether he wanted to even continue boxing. Oh, he's going to continue boxing. So Don't you, worry about it. He will. And you think he'll take the Klitschko fight? Well, well, because I'm right thinking that he could just. I mean, he's contractually obliged to do it, but he could presumably just vacate the belts. And um, just... I think it's more: is Klitschko going to take the Fury fight than is Fury going to oh, take really? the Klitschko fight? <clears throat> so it's a little bit. Um, Unknown. Like there were interviews of him last night at the uh, the boxing. They said he doesn't know what's going on. Is there a time limit on this? <sighs> not that, really I, not that I'm aware. There probably is somewhere, but it's all a bit up in the now. I heard something. I'm not going to tell you who it's from <laughs> okay. or where they heard it from. Right? It's all cloak and dagger stuff. Yeah, cloak and dagger stuff. Right. Um. So to protect the secrecy of that person, I won't mention anything. And this will sound mental, so like I'm not saying this is going to happen, and I'm oh, not. I like this. This is cool. <laughs> this is like a breaking rumor, right? <laughs> this will sound absolutely mental, but one potential option, apparently, Ooh. allegedly, out there's going to be a tag team. <laughs> Amit Khan. <can't. laughs> <laughs> um, is Sergey Kovalev? Oh, really? The light heavyweight champion is apparently one of the potential fights for uh, for Tyson Fury. What the fuck? Don't know. Um, there's talk of Kovalev fighting Andre Ward uh, later on this year. Uh, I have it like it's from a very, very good source as well. Like who's got it from a very good source? It's from a friend of a friend kind of thing. Yeah. But you know, not a million miles outside of the Fury camp that has come from this story. So how much weight would you have to put on? Well, I mean, there's like a is it a twelve pound <laughs> jump from light heavy to cruiser weight? Jesus. Like, that's the biggest weight difference in boxing. It's yeah. light heavy to cruiserweight. And then you've got cruiserweight, like... <laughs> the whole of cruiserweight. The whole of cruiserweight, then up to heavyweight. And then don't forget, Tyson Fury isn't just a heavyweight. He's like <laughs> a super heavyweight. <laughs> yeah. Is this because Kovalev's just mental and it'll just do anything? He'll fucking fight anyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyone in a bobsway and a gun. <laughs> he don't care. Um, you stand at the bottom. I'll knock you out when you get to me. <laughs> I will fight you. Um, um, so... I, How so, old is he? I don't know, maybe 6'2", something like that. Um, as I say, this I'm not saying this is going to happen. No, but I love it. I love the idea that this is just this is totally insane. Yeah, it is insane. It's a mad concept. But on the other hand, who wouldn't want to see it? Like yeah. Kovalev is a destruction machine. Yeah. He punches holes in people. <laughs> who wouldn't want to see him have a go at Fury? And you know he'd have a go at Fury. Like, Would Fury take the fight? Yeah, I, I mean, who knows? It's such a such a bizarre one. Well, I don't know. What is he banging on about with this? Like, oh, I don't know if I could 
motivate myself. What, what, I don't understand. Like it might be absolute tosh, but why would he say that? <laughs> oh, he generates headlines, doesn't he? It's you know about it because he said it. He generates headlines through yeah, saying stuff. I guess so. um, keeps him in the keeps him in the headlines mm. whilst there's nothing else for him to do. So he'll fight. I mean, he was talking in the interviews last night about wanting to fight Anthony Joshua and. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, he's, he described him as throwing a bit of meat to a lion or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, rip his heart out. God. Uh, yeah, typically understated fury. Uh, so, yeah. The, I, d- I don't know what's going on with Fury, but I say that was a possible... Uh, I doubt it'll ever come off, but yeah, what an idea it'd be if... If it did, that's the most. That's like like Spain winning the World Cup, and then like their first friendly is against Arsenal or something. Like, what, why? Why are they a lot of the European champions of which wouldn't be Arsenal, but like Bayern no. Munich or something? Like, why? Okay, well we'll do it. It's why like a not? circus fight. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah uh... let's go circus fight. <laughs> yeah, okay. Birmingham. Okay, so this Saturday night uh, in Birmingham, we've got Sam Eggington versus Bradley Skeet. Uh, Right, cards on the table. I I have no idea about this this fight, and the only thing I remember, to be honest, of Bradley Skeet was, you know, um, Frankie Gavin he was fighting. Yeah, and, and <laughs> do, do you remember when you used to watch Gladiators in the nineties, and um, when it came to the last um, the last final eliminator thing, you used to go up the travelator and that. Yeah. Well, before that. The women used to use the monkey bars, but the men had to use those like hand bicycles yeah. to roll along. That is pretty much what I think Bradley Skeet's entire training was for that fight. Because all he did was just wind his gloves up like he was trying to wind something. Yeah. I remember us standing, was the XL? Yeah. Like coughing our guts up because everyone in the world was smoking 10 cigarettes at a time, but unrelated to what other point I'm making, but standing there watching Bradley Skeet wind his gloves up. On the retreat for 12 rounds. Yeah, walking backwards. <laughs> like, wind your fists the other way and maybe you'll go forwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's all I know. Um, that's all I remember about Bradley Skeet, just being a useless, boring fighter. And he's fighting good intro Sam to the fight, Eggington. <laughs> so tune in on Saturday night. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. What's your thoughts? Uh, um, yeah. So, Brad- <laughs> I don't know. Wow, I'd- you sound fired up for it. <laughs> Bradley Skeet's it's a British welterweight title fight, right? Eggington's an exciting fight. I like watching Eggington. He's a big, tall welterweight. He hits hard. He's in like exciting tear ups. But I can't get excited because Bradley Skeet is the polar opposite and doesn't like yeah. get involved in tear-ups. Seems like he's in the wrong profession at times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe it'll be an exciting fight. But I hope, I personally hope, and I've heard that Bradley Skeet's a very nice bloke. I've heard that he's like actually hits very hard like in the gym, sparring and what have you. It's just, I hope he engages in the fight. And if he doesn't, I hope Eggington just smashes him to pieces. Like, the interesting thing about this one is that it's um, a Frank Warren fighter, like Bradley Skeet's Frank Warren fighter, fighting on a matchroom show on the Sky. Uh, okay. It's the first time it's happened in a while. So it went to purse bids and uh, Eddie Hearn won it. All right. So I surprised it's actually going ahead, to be honest, but uh, unless Bradley Skeet picks is up that, an injury this week is, sometime. Is there um, anything remotely good in the undercard, or is that the headline and there's nothing else? Uh, I haven't really... I don't know. Uh, no, probably not. It'll probably be the Yafai brothers, I'd suspect, because they're always on in Birmingham shows. Uh, I think Jake Ball's on it. Um, I don't think there's any like big fights to look forward to. So the main What's event the, is... Is this going to be... Because the reason I ask that is because a lot of Frank Warren shows recently have been really uninspiring and I realise it's not a Frank Warren show but what I mean is like they've been the, the, the audience has been dead you know um, it's a matchroom this, show so they'll, they'll rev up the audience right. um, will, it, will it sell out will it be a, I think, I'm assuming it's at the NEC or the NIA in Birmingham I don't know what else there is in Birmingham this is at the Sea Life Centre um, <laughs> I don't know they've got the BBC big, studios big stingray area like, <laughs> pack it out um, hmm. So no, I assume it's either the NEC or the NIA. Um, yeah, I don't. It's kind of gone a little bit under the sky radar because of the Frampton Quig fight this weekend. Like that's where their focus has been on selling a pay per view in the box office. So 
they've now got a week to kind of sell this one to people. So I haven't really, if I'm honest, looked into it that much. It doesn't hugely excite me. Will um, you be watching it? No, I won't. No, because I'm uh, well, I'm down in York Hall on Saturday night. So um, that probably sounds like more of an interesting chat then. So let's move on to um, your Saturday night at York Hall. Yeah, uh, we got a Goodwin promotion show. So this is uh, headlined by Ben Day versus Floyd Moore, which is a southern area lightweight fight. Um, which is a really, really interesting fight. I did a head-to-head with these two a while back, um, and they're trainers, so I filmed it, and it, I think it's going to be released this week sometime, so you get to see my beautiful face on it. Um, <laughs> so I got to sit between the two of them, plus their trainers, uh, Rod Julian for Ben Day, and uh, Michael Ballingall for Floyd Moore. Uh, and it was all very courteous. It was, it was not huge fireworks in it. There's a few bits where they fall out and what have you, but uh, ben Day is uh, a lunatic. Like, let's be perfectly frank. I love Ben Day. He's a nice man, but he's fucking bonkers. Gizu, like he runs a gym down in London, um, Ringtone Gym. Uh, he's got a parrot that <laughs> he's all over his social media with him. Uh, he was talking about possibly getting him down for the ring walk. Like, bring this parrot on his. Show. That does sound um, mental. He's got this long troubled like history. He's got background to him, like a bit of alcoholism, getting into trouble and whatever. Picked up boxing late on in life. I think he's thirty eight now, and like he's already a Southern Area title holder at the weight above, and he's like relinquished that and dropping down to fight Floyd Moore for his Southern Area title. He calls himself like the Benjamin Button of boxing. That he's getting older, <laughs> but like younger and and God. fitter. Um, but yeah, he's slightly mad. Um, <laughs> no, what? <laughs> he had like a handful of um, white collar belts and then decided to turn professional. And um, yeah, he's making a really good go of it. Like, he's still undefeated. He beat Ryan Taylor for his Southern Area title um, a couple of months back in December, I think it was. He fights like a lunatic. He just like. He <laughs> puts his hands down, just walks around the ring at times, like, he doesn't give a shit. Um, Floyd Moore is, he gets described as, like, the small hall Ricky Hatton. Um, his following from Portsmouth is mental. Really? Like, when he came out of York Hood, last time he was out was October 17th last year. Um, and his entrance was, like, the... <laughs> Sorry, like it was on a par. If you scaled down the David Hay one that was at recently, like the electricity in the room kind of thing when David Hay came out, the excitement. If right. you scaled that down from like eighteen thousand at the O two to like one thousand in a very compact York Hall, it was like that. Like it's mad. Uh Floyd Moore's a massively exciting fighter as well. They come forward, get into a scrap kind of fighter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a brilliant little fight to watch because you've got Ben Day, who's like very elusive. Uh, I've chatted with people that spar him, just say he's like so unorthodox. I think for fans of like 90s Premier League football, like Paolo Wanchop, who's <laughs> oh, a, a cult hero of mine, um, <laughs> who was like unpredictably um, mad, mental looked awful but somehow got the results in the end like waltz through the united defense on it on his <laughs> oh, debut I knew it was coming. oh he had to mention it <laughs> um like ben day is the paolo one shop of boxing to an extent um wow. praise from caesar <laughs> well, that's not quite what term i'm looking for but um like for those well those of you won't know which is everyone listening to this <laughs> Mine, mine had a, like a serious man crush on Paolo Wancha back in the day, <laughs> and it was not stop. It was intolerable, honestly. Um, and those of you who ever played Championship Manager, <laughs> he edited Derby County's football stadium to be called the One Chopalips, <laughs> and it was what, what was it nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine oh ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine standing one, one seat, seat. <laughs> within about two weeks the board had changed it god bless football manager editor back in the day um, oh, so very sort of yeah we've gone off piece there but we really, uh, <laughs> really have I just like i had to suffer this like mad insane crush <laughs> on one job for so many years and now he's being compared to someone who walks around the, who's threatening to walk around the ring with a parrot on his shoulder <laughs> 
<laughs> calls himself Benjamin Button. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a fight like I'm really, really looking forward to it. And there's a good undercard, there's a good few fights on the undercard, but like the main event is gonna be like a small hall little spectacular fight like the environment it'll be like pretty awesome down there so uh, I'm, I'm buzzing for saturday night it's uh, one of the goodwin shows it's uh and steve goodwin who is like the head of goodwin promotions his son josh who's one of the promoters within goodwin promotions he's really like 22 i think he spent the weekend of him last week i've still haven't got a clue <laughs> <laughs> apologies josh if you listen he's making his professional fighting debut as well so he's going from like in the office to in the ring mm. um so he was training last weekend in this hotel in Latvia whilst everybody else was like having a beer out there like poor fuckers that's uh, discipline uh yeah yeah very disciplined um so yeah good luck to him making his professional debut um against his mum's wishes as well <laughs> poor old <laughs> Trish who uh, has been kind of begging him not to take the fight but uh yeah, so he's fine, so good luck to him. But yeah, the the main event uh, Saturday night will be spectacular. Um, I look forward to it. It'll be slightly mad. Yeah, it sounds it. It definitely sounds like that. Um, okay, well, I guess that's where we can wrap up. Have you got anything else to add? No, no problem. Best of luck to everybody taking part in things this weekend. Um, if you can get down to your call, please endeavour to do so. Or you could sit and watch The Dross on Sky. Yeah, yeah, the Yafai brothers. Uh, I'm sure Eggington Skate will be alright. If they do it at the Sea Life Centre, I'll miss your call and go and watch that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, he's punching a sea lion. <laughs> um, okay, right, well, we're really off piece now. So all I have to say is um, we will be back probably next Sunday. Yeah, maybe, let's rock next something Sunday. Something like that, potentially. Um and uh, yes, thank you very much for listening. Apologies for our extended break, but I hope we'll be back again to give you news and reviews, uh, like I say, next week. So goodbye from me. So up. Bye. <laughs>